0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. A classically trained theater major who grew up in New Orleans and Minnesota's Twin Cities, Lyrica Lewis took her degree from Syracuse and headed straight for Hollywood, where she auditioned for The Groundlings. Over the course of several years, Lewis worked her way up the ranks of The Groundlings, eventually reaching the cast of The Sunday Company. Then in quick succession, she landed a spot in the CBS Diversity Sketch Comedy Showcase, the Just for Laughs New Faces Characters Showcase, and a role in the reboot of Mad TV for The CW. That didn't last, but she rebounded with a role in the NBC sitcom AP Bio, prompting Entertainment Weekly to call her your new comedy crush in 2018. Lewis also has appeared in FX's Baskets and Comedy Central's Drunk History. She sat down with me inside the Groundlings Training Center before season two of AP Bio premieres to tell me all about her comedy journey. So let's get to it! Lewis Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for joining me on this rainy Monday in Los Angeles.
1: Thank you for having happen- Thank you for having me in all this moist weather. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although you're from New Orleans, what's the weather like there in February?
1: You know what? um it's typically like not rainy, it may be a little chilly, but not too much moisture happening, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, so it's not that bad in Feb. okay yeah.
0: so last things first. 've you've, you've had a very busy last few years, yes. but I want to go back and figure out why a young lady from New Orleans would choose Syracuse
1: Oh, the question of a century yeah uh well um I wanted to I not that you needed
0: to go to Tulane or anything like that but right. why
1: I know why, the, why furthest, the frozen
0: tundra of Syracuse the India? tundra
1: of all tundras well um, what well, I always wanted to do theater mm-hmm. and film ever since I was little like I did theater camps in New Orleans I always was, wanted to act and things like that and so um, when I was in high school and I did a touring theater in St. Paul and I still was like okay I want to be an actress like I want to do this seriously my mother shout out to Verona got very involved and she was like first of all. Acting, okay, great. But she knew I was talented and knew I wanted to do it. So she was like, if you're going to go to school for acting, she was like, you will go to one of the best. Like, she was like, you can't go to Xavier, which is known for like medicine or whatever. She was like, I will not send you to school that's known for something else to get an acting degree. Okay. So then it was either Syracuse or NYU. And we went to visit, we went to New York City and Syracuse. I think she felt more comfortable with Syracuse, that it was Mm -hmm. more of like a. A college town versus New York Low City.
0: Being in Manhattan. Which
1: has a southern bumpkin, as a southern nugget. You know, just that type of I mean it's very it's huge New York and it's very much a fast moving type of deal. So I think she just and she always says that her girl Vanessa Williams went there, which I'm like, you do not know Vanessa Williams. Okay, so let's get that straight. But she's like my girl Vanessa went there mm-hmm. and I do like the colors of the wind version by Vanessa Williams, so we chose Syracuse. Okay. Yes.
0: So, had you visited before
1: you went? No, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what's like nothing about, not one thing. But we knew they had a great drama department. Mm -hmm. And so that was it. We went to go visit, I think in January, and it was like cold, but seeing as I was already in Minnesota, it was like, okay, it's cold there, cold here. But I did like the vibe. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: And when you go into the theater program there, Is comedy on your mind yet or no? Are you just performing in some aspect?
1: You know what? I feel like halfway. I think I always had a knack for, like, being, like, funny or, like, kind of joking. Um, I always tell people that... um, I think that because I moved from New Orleans to Minnesota when I was 12, which I always tell people is the worst age of life to have to move, because as a preteen, like, you got all your buddies, you got your homies already from kindergarten through fifth grade, so y'all gonna be together, and then to move at that age when you're going into something that's already set up, that they already got their friends, that is very awkward, and I always felt like my end was joking and being, even making fun of myself, like, that was my end, to be like, yeah, we might be poor, but like, ew, like, whatever, like, having fun with it. So when I went to Syracuse, I think I always knew that I enjoyed comedies and really having fun, making people laugh, doing that. But Syracuse, the program there is very classical. Like it's very much Tartuffe and Moliere mm-hmm. and Stanislavski. Like that's what we did. You know, we oh, yes. did comic. Yeah. which And we did like funny plays, mm-hmm. but it was there when I want to say Scary Movie had came out. What, like, when, I wanna say Scary Movie came out in like 2000 or 2001, yeah. and that was the one movie, like, I'd always been interested in sketch comedy, always watched it in Living Color and SNL, but Scary Movie, Seeing Regina Hall, and I literally, I don't know why, but that was the first time that I was like, oh, she's gorgeous and like, vanity-free comedy, like, I got funny, in a way that like, it just served the movie, and that's when I we would watch it every weekend in Syracuse because it was too cold to do shit else. Mm-hmm. And watching her every weekend, like I was like, oh no, I really want to be like funny. Like I was like, I want to be like the goofy one in a movie that does the most. And you know what I mean. And so that's what early on there, I knew that I wanted to do.
0: Okay, so after I mean, you watch the scary movie and you see Regina Hall, what what kind of opportunities availed you in Syracuse to? To do that, yeah.
1: I mean, nothing really. I mean, we—I'd never done improv. Like, I'm sure they have improv there now, like teams. But like at the time, like that wasn't a part of our curriculum. Like, so nothing that I do now. There's no outlet for you. No, except still for performing. So I Mm -hmm. still performed. I did like the vagina monologues a ton because that's where I could get my rocks off. Was at Hendrix Chapel doing the vagina monologues. But that was like it because the rest of my training was very, you know classical base but yeah I knew it was uh, in there but you know where I got it out was just with friends like I would do little things and MC a couple things and things like that so that's where I would kind of get the outlet from
0: so when you graduate hmm what was the plan um, go to New York City then
1: no then? see this is what happens so we have alum that come back and talk to us mm-hmm. and we have this thing called lab and it's like every Wednesday and like it's the drama department majors musical theater stage management. we all get together and they just talk to we just talk about like the business and okay, like school like yes but it's every Wednesday the whole year and you have to go to lab it's like fun things yeah so then um, before we graduated Tay Diggs came back to speak and they do that often where they'll get high-profile alum to come back and talk to you and I would never Forget he was there and he was there with a former roommate of his at Syracuse. And so the roommate really wanted to just act on TV and film. Whereas Tay was like a musical theater major, and he was he said he always wanted to do Broadway. And so um, I think I asked him the question that I was like, Would you? Just go to New York because we have theater degrees and we're supposed to go to New York and do Broadway with a theater degree since I can speak the IPA. And he was like, no. And he was like, do not waste your time in New York unless you want to do stage. And he was like you're young, you can always switch, but he was like, go to L.A. first if you want to do TV at all, because he was like, the business is not forgiving, it is not age-forgiving, it is not experience-forgiving, and he was like, you will waste your time in New York unless you have a burning passion for Broadway, and I was like, I enjoy the stage, but I really want to do TV and film, and he was like, then go. So it was because of Tay that I was like, oh, I just have to go now, instead of what we're supposed to do when we graduate.
0: what year was this?
1: Oh... (laughs) This was 2007.
0: Okay, so 2007, <laughs> you head to L.A. with this inspirational lab talk. hmm And did you know anyone in L.A. in 2007?
1: Oh, well, I actually came in 2008. Okay. Because I went home to Minnesota for a year to, quote, unquote, save money, which I saved none of. Okay. Because I was, like, staying with my mom. So my mom was, like, just go instead of, like... Trying to save all this money for L.A.
0: So you had a plan. Yeah. Save money. Save
1: money. Yes. That came only after that. I was like, okay, great. I'll go to L.A. and not New York. So I saved very little money. Mm -hmm. Drove my car from St. Paul to Los Angeles. And I knew some people that I went to Syracuse. But again, like there's some of us. But we actually have a big alumni base. A lot of people stay in New York. Obviously, but right. we do have some. So I had a couple of people that I graduated that were here. And so we kind of touched base. But the day after I got here, I auditioned for the groundlings to start classes there because I'd also done like research in Syracuse where I was like, okay, if I do want to be funny after Tay talked to me, mm-hmm. you know, I looked at people's careers that I wanted to emulate and I was like, Oh, I love Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, like, you know, all of these people and I was like, well, obviously Jennifer Coolidge was another big one for me, and I was like, if I'm gonna have the comedy chops like them, I gotta go shoot in the same gym that they shot in, which was the Groundlings. And so the day after I got here to LA audition to start taking classes at the Groundlings, got in and just started the improv and sketch training. Wait, the day after you got here? Yeah, I still had bedding in my car, Mm -hmm. everything I owned was still in my car, parked it right on Melrose, and went in for my audition. So did you have an, wait, did you know where you were gonna stay? No. <laughs> I was wild. I was My mom was like, just go. And I talked to people upon coming. So people were like, you can crash did here t- for a little bit. So did you time the drive so that way you would get there at a good time to
0: audition? Like, did you know when the audition was?
1: No, I got I booked that once I got here.
0: So you just happened to get here the day before the audition?
1: Yeah. Well, once I got here, like that night, I went online and like mm-hmm. booked everything immediately and then woke up the next morning and came. Yes. I ended up like crashing with a cousin and then just like
0: that's um not only convenient, but that's serendipitous, yeah. Because you could have gotten here and the next audition wouldn't have been in a month or two right. months.
1: Yeah. Back, and then what would you have done? This was back in the day where and you had to come to like now everything's online, but you had to like be outside the theater by like, I want to say 9 or 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. to sign up. But I think they had them like Mondays, Wednesdays or something enough on a schedule okay. that it was like every week. Okay. So yeah. you knew
0: that when you got here, you could audition. Yeah. Away. Okay. Well, that's.
1: Yes. That's good.
0: <laughs> so what was the audition like?
1: Um, from what I can remember, we just did, it was, like, open scenes. Like, um, we got into, like, a couple different groups and just, like, improvised with a one-person, two-people scene. We of I think we got it by ourselves at some point and, like, maybe did, like, something like a monologue style. Did a big group warm-up, and that was it. They're only, like, three hours, and there's, like, 15 people in each, so, like, it goes pretty fast.
0: Okay, so... So you had a successful audition. Yes. And what does that mean exactly with the ground length?
1: It means that um you are once you pass the audition so You automatically get in the Sunday company. Oh, wouldn't hap- that be the No, you just pass so that way you're allowed to take the basic level of class. Okay. But you have to pass the so to audition to take the class. Yes. And if you don't, there's an improv there's like another track they send you on that's mm-hmm. like two classes and then you re audition. <laughs>
0: keep your day job and
1: yeah, they're like, wait, but after that audition, yeah, I got, um, basically so that way I could start taking classes right away. And then how long was it before you actually performed? Ooh, it was a while. Um, so I want to say I went through the, it probably took me maybe four or five years to get through to the well, because we have two top levels that you do one show in, which mm-hmm. I kind of count, but not really because it's for the class. But do they tell the people in the room next door that it's going to take four or five years? I, I think some people do. As a teacher, I let everyone know that I'm yeah. like, there is no fast track. It's a little bit faster now than mm-hmm. in my day. But I still tell them, like, there's no fast track because it, there's so many people in the school that, right. yeah. But, yeah, mine, I mean, I started the Groundlings in... 2008 and I got into the main company in 2016 so it was like wow. eight years of classes performing one class I waited a year before I could take the next mm-hmm. level one of them it was almost three years before I could take the next level so a lot of that was waiting just to take the next level
0: and does it normally go you get into the Sunday company first and then you get promoted from Sunday to Maine or is that just a different
1: no that is if you get all the way up there Yeah. so once mm-hmm. you pass basic you have to pass intermediate you have to pass writing lab and then after you pass Writing Lab, you have to pass Advanced Writing Lab. Okay. Then after you pass that from Advanced Writing Lab is the invite into the Sunday company. How much is all of this costing? Ooh, the first two levels I wanna say are around like maybe four or something or 500 bucks each. Uh-huh. The third is gonna be around 600 yeah. and the last is about seven to $800. Okay, so you're paying
0: thousands of dollars a year for four years, mm-hmm. not getting No
1: guarantee, yeah. And by the time you get there, I would say I would count Sunday Company to be the, because it's on the main stage. And that is, um, I think our dues for Sunday Company, I worked a job because you can either pay dues or work to offset the dues. So I did jobs for the Sunday Company to offset my dues.
0: Okay, I was just going to ask, one, how do you, what are you doing for money that whole time?
1: It's crazy because you're, I mean, we write, I wrote about like 40 hours a week outside of Sunday Company. And then we have a night that we pitch every Wednesday from like about 4 or 5 p.m. until 1 or 2 in the morning, like every SNL style. Then after you pitch all day Thursday, you're waiting to see what goes in the show for Sunday. And then you only have Thursday, Friday, Saturday to buy your costumes, to rewrite everything, get it to your director, to get it approved, to go into the show. And then you don't tack or put it up on its feet at all until Sunday, and that's one time before the audience comes in. So, and besides, yes, yeah, still having a job that you can pay rent and everything. Right. Else. So, how
0: are you? One, how are you just financially making do, and two, how are you emotionally, psychologically making do, knowing that you're investing all of this time and money and emotion into this career that you want, and there's mm-hmm. still no guarantee. Yeah. For those first few years,
1: yeah. For me, it was—I mean, financially, I—I I feel like I just like figured it out, which sucks because it's like I had a job that I used to have. It I worked six thirty in the morning till two p.m., and so I did that Monday through Friday. So then the rest of my time was for writing, and like I didn't really do anything else because I was like I have to write me ready for Sunday. So that was my week, and then I was a manager. Um, At a clothing store in Santa Monica I didn't have a car So it was two hours there and back So while I was on the bus I would write And then I literally had to juggle that schedule And meet with people when I could But like you don't have any free time when you're in So like even for significant others Like any free time is dedicated to sketch And then emotionally and all that It's an I took it as like a I feel like I always, like, I, I always tell my students I took off my rose colored glasses when I was going throughout the entire program because I feel like from the beginning I always knew that it was something that I'm like, no, like the chances are greater, far greater against you to ever get into the Sunday company or the main company, especially that, like the funnel is so tiny that I just saw it as me being like, how many levels can I get through? So that way I can just have that versus the goal of the main company. It was just how strong can I get? So, that's the only reason why I feel like I kind of stayed sane, and then I was doing a CBS diversity showcase at the same time I was in Sunday Company. So that was thirty to twenty weeks at CBS, and then the rest of the right, time but was that here. That wasn't
0: until 2015.
1: That was my first six months in Sunday Company, though. I did those at the same uh-huh. time. The first, which was insane. But. Did
0: you? Did you before 20? Before things really started happening in 2015? Did you try going out for pilot season? At no, uh,
1: uh-uh, uh, because I didn't even have a rep then. It was crazy. I was here, and because the groundlings was expensive and living, mm-hmm. that I literally was just working and taking classes. But I took that also as I flipped the the glass of milk, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I'm getting working out and getting my chops, and so I was like, that way when I do go out, it'll be dope. So yeah, I was like weirdly okay with it. So what happened in 2015? What happened was, so I got into Sunday Company, and two weeks after I got into Sunday Company, my second show, um, my manager came, um, Naomi Odenkirk, and so So I... bad
0: representation at this point.
1: But the second, yeah. So she came in very quickly Mm -hmm. and signed me. So I had a manager early on at Sunday Company, and so then I'd already gotten into the Diversity Showcase at this point, because they do their auditions in the summer. Okay. So I got into it. My friend Jimmy Fowley, who teaches here, who used to be in the Sunday Company, was like, you'd be great for this. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned that summer. And um, so, by the time I started Sunday Company, we were already in rehearsals because we started September 11th of that year. So we were already this in is rehearsals. 2014 or 2015.
0: 2015, 2014. Okay, yeah, because so my show. We also got Just for Laughs in 2015.
1: Yes, so I was in Sunday Company 2014. Yes, okay. yes, and so did CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, so started that, had a manager, did the showcase. What um, was your
0: experience with that, like because, with the showcase? Yeah, because it's now you know come out that. CBS diversity wasn't a pleasant experience Mm -hmm. for some people
1: yeah for me you know what it was all right I will say and maybe it's just my attitude because I tend to I feel like I gained the sweetest most precious dearest friends Mm -hmm. from that showcase and I will even say the experience taught me a lot about my own resilience and like the shit that I can ultimately put up with until a breaking point or not and so I feel like I took it as a learning experience like there were things there was stuff that we saw that was like okay and I mean there and I even Fern like a lot of people have huge issues with Fern I took Fern as truly the voice of a business that I want to be in Mm -hmm. and so I was like for every time that she was like God you guys could look kind of sloppy today. You could go to not eat a burger instead of being like, oh, no, she called me fat. I was like, you know what? But I probably could not go to stout right after this rehearsal and go have a salad. And I feel like that's how I took her. And a lot of that, that I was like, you're right. Like, Mm -hmm. I got to be on camera. I should probably stand to lose whatever. And I was like, you know, keep me on my toes in that way that I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you are a voice that many people have still in this industry that I work in. So I'm like, come on. I'm used to, I feel like I'm used to dealing with stronger, opinionated women. Oh. So that's how I took that. So the showcase in total, I think I walked away and still walked away with a lot that a lot of people don't. Like I had a great piece that showcased me in that showcase where I got to do Viola Davis at How to Get Away with Murder. And I am forever grateful for that. Like that experience, I'm super grateful for. So yeah, I walked away with like, I mean, it was crazy, but. Did you end up weighing yeah. in on any of that investigation? or? No, I got reached out to once, and I think I didn't end up weighing in more just because even then, even when stuff was coming out, that's the attitude that I had. And so even when people would be like, yeah, but wasn't this crazy or isn't this? And I'd be like, yeah, it's unfortunate. And yeah, I was like, yeah, this is insane. But I'm like, my personal experience, I don't even have that type of negativity for it. How much of that is just... Being a woman of color and having to put up with society. Hello, I think it's a lot to do with that. But it's true. I think that as a woman of color... Like I say, even the fact of me saying that I'm used to dealing with opinionated women, even Fern like didn't ruffle me like that Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I've heard teachers, people that are supposed to be protecting us to the nth degree say a lot worse. Like, oh, you call me fat? Okay. What else is it? Because I am what? Eating a Snickers. So, you know what I mean? But it's like, that's how, like, yeah, I think that's a lot to do with it, where for some people it was life-altering, but I was like, so, like, it's like either you let what she said break you, or you go, oh, "I'm gonna show you." I took the attitude of being like, "Okay, we'll see." All
0: right. So, does that does that program promise or give you any sort of entry into CBS?
1: No, um, in theory, it's more, of a it's more of a showcase. Now I think it's different, mm-hmm. but when I did it in 2014, it was just more, very much more of a showcase. Nothing promised, but the thing that you had to look forward to was that so many came, people came to see it, that they still did the holding contract thing then, but they picked who they wanted. So even if you didn't get that, to me, thought I had a coffee burp. <laughs> to me, um, the cool thing was just so that so many you had so many eyes on you at one time. That to me, that exposure is priceless. Cause I'm like, I may not be able to audition for you all, but you're gonna see me do what I do best—not with your size, but with, with me and you for seven minutes, mm-hmm. and that's all I need. So,
0: so having done that, how auditioning for and getting Montreal and doing the mm-hmm. Just for Laughs showcase? Yes. How did that experience compare? Because you're also showcasing for industry. Casting people and
1: Yeah that compared maybe,
0: maybe the same people In some cases Yeah
1: Montreal was So much fun And I think very different Because with CBS We have writers So like even the How to get away with murder thing That I didn't write that mm-hmm. So granted I brought me to it. But for Montreal, it's just you and your character. So like that to me is more special because it was exactly the things that I had written. You're going to get to see what I think is funny and what I feel like I do best for seven minutes, back to back. And yes, I feel like it is a little bit different because it's, it's all me out there by myself. And I loved Montreal. And that's where my agent saw me. Ah. Mhm. So representation.
0: Representation was again. Did Mad TV also come straight out of that or was that a separate process?
1: I think it was separate. Mad TV came cuz I did we Mad TV. Kind of the same- yeah, I did Mad TV in 2016 because it was after I got into the main company, so it's probably like a year after that. But the casting director, um, Julie Ashman, who also like works at home with CBS, I'd seen her mm-hmm. after the showcase and from the showcase she saw me there. So I think Mad TV was kind of oh, like cause a,
0: the remove with the CW.
1: yeah so I was think
0: CBS related.
1: Yeah, so she was there, and you know mm-hmm. that kind of hands were in that pot. But I still think it was separate enough because it was like a year afterwards. But yeah.
0: Now, when you get Mad TV, it's a different network. Yes. It's it's a known brand. Mhm. Did how did you and the rest of the cast feel going? Did you feel like okay, it's it's a reboot, but we're gonna go? Or yeah, was there some trepidation to it all? I I'm, know you know I was friends with with most of the people who were part of the in loving. Living Color reboot, reboot that wasn't, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I don't know if that was like a warning signal to some of you, or
1: maybe I think there was some of both. I think it was the idea of it was so exciting mm-hmm. at first. And like, we grew up watching Mad TV, right. and you know, Mad TV I feel like was always like the saucier SNL. So for that, I think it always was this thing of like, oh my god, we get to do this. And I don't even think Trepidation probably didn't come in until. You know, you think about, no one thought about the difference of networks and like how Fox is very different than the CW. At least it was when Matt TV, you know what I mean? So even that is like a, and now, you know, a lot of things are catered to millennials and like, which I'm technically a millennial, but you hear the way that I say it. Millennials and like the youth and like Instagramming and making things grammable and tweetable and like sound bites versus really making something for the art of what it is. And I think when Mad TV was originally on, it was on during a time that we didn't have social media. Like, you just, you didn't have to be so PC about the jokes that you told, like, where now that is not the case. So I think mm-hmm. that all of those were also in the pot of like, we can't say this, we can't do that, or we got to watch out for this, or we can do this, but maybe not that. And ooh, this is at a different time slot, so it's at 8 o'clock, it's mm-hmm. not at 10, just all of that, that then it was like, oh, there's a machine behind this, in theory, pure kind of sketch comedy art form. So from that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is a different show. But I still think we still, I still have fun. Um, I still got to meet some of the alum, which was great. And I was like... Hey, I still got to like do a sketch show like I got to fulfill that dream of like i 'd always wanted to do sketch i 'm like I still get to stay in California to do it. I still get this experience. And I think it was great to do it on a show like Mad TV for that reboot because it was very little skin and like you know i didn 't have to like uproot my life like it was here, and it felt kind of still in this like little bubble mm-hmm. of safety while we were still doing it so
0: yeah now some uh, some people in Hollywood tell me that part of the insanity of the development process and pilot season is that even when something goes wrong, just the fact that you were in the game yeah. allows you to move up the ladder. Like, yeah. Like, selling a script, if the script doesn't get a pilot, that still improves your chances for next year.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're in a show
0: that tanks, you were still on TV, which means you're a hot, you're yeah. a hotter commodity than someone who wasn't on TV. Yeah. Do that play out for you like that
1: i think so i feel like because yeah after mad tv wrapped and you know i just knew that i was like okay obviously i'll do pilot season and that's all i thought and i went in so much earlier than the year before and it was like producer sessions and like it automatically like i was like oh like like i was testing for pilots like january of the year i got eight people which is like super early like most people won't test until like march but it was that early that i was like okay Thank you, Mad TV. So I do think it is this thing of like, oh, you've been on a show and you mm-hmm. were a regular on that show. So now we can trust you to throw you in these other sides.
0: So how, how quickly in the process did you get AP Bio?
1: Quick. I think I knew by Valentine's Day of that year. And we had just went in, I want to say like January 20-something. So like I knew within like two weeks after I initially first went in. Cause there was another pilot in the wings that really wanted me, but I really wanted AP. I'm sorry, I keep. Saying. Did that? Did that other pilot get picked up? No. Uh. Ah. And so, um, because NBC, because our creator found out about that pilot, they were like, they really want to test her, and he was just like, "This is the only stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna snatch her up right now." So it was pretty early. Was that Michael Bryan? Or- mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So when you're on a, so
0: when you get a pilot, it's created by. A guy who was from SNL, mm-hmm. and it's got Lorne Michaels behind it, and it's got like Patton Oswalt in the cast, and Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny.
1: Well, they came later. You were cast before them. I was cast first. Nice. And then we came, but even still, from the EP side, did you did you was, feel like well, this is
0: even if this other pilot wants me, this one has a good chance of going just because well, yeah. of who's...
1: Well, even regardless of the going factor, because I knew that, you know, even the names of names, mm-hmm. still pilots won't go or whatever. But I just was like, this is the comedy f- bosom to be laden in, inside Ooh. of. <laughs> like, I'm like, Lauren Michaels, Seth Meyers, Schumacher, like, yeah, Andy yeah. like all these people that I'm like, this is 30 Rock. Like, these are all these iconic shows on NBC that I'm like, I just want to rub elbows. Like, I, I was like, I just want in for them to have been like, oh, she read for us. Like, that was my initial thing was like, I just want to read. I just, I so have to read. Who you are. Yes, that was it. I was like, I just want to be on the radar. Like, I kind of am, but I'm like, I need to sit in person and have them, like, mm-hmm. make eye contact. And so then once we got, once I got at it, and then they started rounding everyone out, I had met Mary and Jean just from, like, the audition processes, and I, like, loved them. So I was like, oh, my God, like, I can play with these girls all day. But then once they started to round up the cast, and we got Glenn, and we got Patton, and it was like, oh, my God. like Like, I was like, I'm so happy that, like, I trusted my gut. And early on, because I had heard of Mike, and but I still, like, you know, I knew he was from Second City and SNL, but I still was like, oh, it was so funny on paper, the pilot, that I was like, oh, this has to go, and, like, it was down between that one and the other pilot, and they were like, you can't go in for the other one if you say yes to this, and I was like, I want to say yes to this, and I was like, I feel like this is my job, and, like, so I'm so happy, yeah.
0: So, it you know, it it debuts at Mm mid-season, and... Mid-season shows don't always have a great history.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You would just come off Mad TV, but you feel really good about how funny this is. Were you... Did you have any kind of reserved feelings of like not wanting to, to get too emotionally involved in the success of the show, having been burned?
1: No, because you know what I feel like? No, because I think I didn't even take Mad TV as a burning. Mm-hmm. Like, I took it as something that I'm like, I think it served its purpose and I think that, like, that was the most was those eight episodes and, like, that... I think it released me to do this. So I took that as, like, a... you because right, if it
0: had kept going...
1: I would have... yeah. So I, I take it as that, that I'm like, thank you, Matt TV, for giving me eight episodes that I can look back on. But thank you for releasing me right. to this great job. And so with AP Bio, I think a little bit like I was kind of like, oh, we'd be bummed if it didn't come back. But it was so great and so fun that I'm like to just have this magic in the can at all. You know, I was like, oh, I think it's so great. But even now, like we wrapped on Friday and I'm like, oh, just give us a season three already. Tell us today. So, yeah.
0: Can you have a sense I know it's so—it can be difficult at times when you're in the bubble of of a production to know how it's going.
1: Yeah. Because I've
0: seen footage from movies that are horrible, and everybody's having such a great time making the movie. Right. Is there is there a way to know, like, I don't— Making season two, like, oh, yeah, we're definitely—we're going to be around a while. This is— no, because I feel no like... There's way this can There's even really
1: good shows that got canceled. Like, there mm-hmm. are shows that are great on TV that people are like, what? That, like, are genuinely good. So I think because there's so much that goes into it, like... I feel like my barometer is Mike O'Brien, probably. You know, I think Mike is very honest. It's his show, and I think he's the first one to be like, ugh... Oh. But he, the fact that he's relaxing feels great. And when we see our execs at every table reading there laughing out loud. Like, even that, that I'm like, we know we have a good show. Like, we know it's funny enough We're like, in the room we all can laugh and clown about this together. Besides just us who are shooting it. Mm-hmm. But in our directors, we have so many directors that just, like... You know, don't have to, but like, are just like, this is like, they love the show. And so I feel like from that, I don't know, I feel good about it. You know, I feel like, wasn't it The Office that was a mid-season show for NBC? Mm-hmm. And we see where they went. So I, that's my juju's. I'm like, The Office was mid-season.
0: Parks and Rec was mid-season. A
1: lot of them were mid-season. That like, I think yeah, a cult following mm-hmm. and like slowly grew. So that's why I feel like AP Bio will be one of those that was a mid-season, but it becomes a culty classic. It's smart, you know what I mean. I feel like a lot of feedback we get is they love how smart the show is and things like that. So
0: now you mentioned the the millennials.
1: <laughs>
0: so is there the part of you that when the, when the episodes roll out, you're gonna are you gonna feel any sort of like pressure to push it on social media?
1: Not pressure. I think for this season, cause I lo- like it's so funny that like I'm gonna be excited to for probably for the first time in a long time excited to do a push. Um but yeah, I think it, I'm excited to see now that we know people like it, to see the response that we get to the things that we post and to interact with people and see the response after the episodes air because, you know, Mike got to play a lot more this season. We the teachers get to interact with the kids a lot more, I think the storylines to me are just a lot more fun because we didn't have to do a ton of introductory things like it's just like they're going now so i'm excited to see the interaction about what people think after they air so lyric what
0: you're you know you're a bona fide success story i mean you know you you roll into la with all your materials in your car you audition yeah. for the groundlings and then you put in the blood sweat and tears and money for years yeah. and years.
1: I keep joking with them, I'd like a refund. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but eventually it pays off.
1: Yeah. So what have you gone back to the Syracuse to do a lab talk or? No, not yet. I do a lot with we have a huge alumni base here, so we have a separate section mm-hmm. that's just Syracuse University in LA. Okay. So I do stuff with them but i do like comedy talk back. So like we they have one about women in comedy that I did and uh, we had one diversity and inclusion one that we did not that long ago, but I have not gone back to the tundra yet. So when you go,
0: when you go back and you talk to a a young twenty year old mm-hmm. who's studying, who's asking the same questions you were asking, yeah, what are you gonna tell I w- that young woman?
1: I'd probably tell her the same thing: mm-hmm. to trust your gut, because we have a gut for a reason, and to just yeah, wherever her focus is, to go there unafraid. If you wanna do T V and film, go to LA. Like it's the I mean it is where it is, you know what I mean? So go there, don't be afraid, don't be scared. I would tell even go home for a year and save money. Like I did, I would even cut that step out. Go directly there. Go there, start networking, work your little day job. I will tell her it will be shitty, probably for a couple years. If you're looking to make it in a couple years and you shouldn't be looking at this business anyway, because it's not a quick one and I feel like anything you do just for the money or the fame. Will never happen if you do what you love. Then money and all of that and fame will fall into play after you are genuinely doing what you love to do. Because everyone else will see that and they'll want to hire you, because you're just enjoying it and you're not there for the wrong reasons. So that's what I would tell. You, just to follow her, follow your instincts, with everything. Ooh, I'm like, mmm, that's for the next story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Lyric, thank you for sharing this story. I look forward to hearing the next story sometime. The soon. next story,
1: yes. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Last Things First. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> this episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brezel at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, Logo by Gigglechick please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.